0: You guys know this has been a crazy week. Crazy, crazy is the word. Uh, I, I, where, where do you start? But one thing, one thing I've, I've got to tell you is, you know, people have been concerned about the, the church facilities. The wonderful thing that's happened here is we, of course, lost power during the week, and that was that was part of what we experienced in the building. But we did have individuals who. We're able to come and stay at the building and and watch over things just to kind of help protect things. We had water running the whole time, so we never lost any. uh, We never had any lines freeze because we had water rolling through it the whole time. And uh, we're just very, very blessed. We really are. So we're grateful for that. We have zero damage, zero issues here with the City Life building. So thank God for that. Thank God for that. I know you may not be able to say the same thing for your homes, but, uh, but that's, that's, God's going to bring uh, uh, provision. And, and, and I think one another, we, we help each other out. And we encourage one another. That's, that's one of the big things that, that I've seen happening here in just an amazing way. Before I get into the sermon, I'd like for you to go ahead and get your Bibles open to two locations in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. I want you to get that. And then I want you, after you find that, Mark, Matthew chapter number 25, verse 31. I'm going to leave that up there for a few seconds here, for a minute or so, so you can find both locations. I have several scriptures I'm going to uh, be sharing with you today, but those two are the two primary texts that I'm I'm going to be talking about. Hey, also, if you're watching on the e-community, I encourage you to go ahead and get ready for the Engage with Pastor Tim. If you'll go to the City Life app, if you don't have that yet, download it. City Life Fort Worth is the way to find it. But if you go to the City Life app, you'll find that you'll be able to get into the, the brunch with Pastor Tim through Zoom, and we'll be able to see you, you can see us, and you'll be able to participate that way, so we want everybody, we want everybody to be able to uh, enjoy that. I'm going to have a good time. Um, we, we have a good menu ready to go for brunch. It's going to be fun. We've we've actually never done this particular thing before, so it's going to be a little bit of fun seeing how it all comes about. But uh, but again, thank you guys for your prayers this week, and, and uh, praying for, for just everything And for everyone, this has been an incredible week. In fact, this is a week where I have to say, I believe we are becoming God's dream church. And I mean that. In fact, that's That's the title of today's message, God's dream church. And uh, so write that down at the top of your notes, because that's really what I'm talking about today. We have been put to the test. We have been. Here's what I saw. I had the opportunity to see and interact with so many of you and so many others. You guys remained positive. And and in fact, some of you, things were turned like totally upside down for you. I, I mean, for some of you, it just was crazy, crazy, crazy. But I saw you guys sharing your needs. Like, I have a need. I have a need. I have a need here. Remember, you have not because you asked not, but they were, you're sharing it with one another. And, and I watched the care for one another happen in an incredible way. I saw faith and perseverance increase. It was just an amazing week to watch what God was actually doing. And not just was, but is continuing to do right now. Now... Uh, it's again. It's just been an amazing time, uh, but but I was reflecting around the middle of the week. I was reflecting on a sermon that I preached about two weeks ago, where I talked about how I hate winter, how I hate weather, how I hate snow and ice, and 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 and, and, uh, and some of you guys are like, oh, we love it, we love it. I was like, no, but I don't, I don't. And I think what God did for me, God just wanted to make fun of me or something like that. And and I so I kind of felt partially responsible for the weather. Because because it just reminded me of living up north for for a while. just like, ugh. except you usually don't lose your power for this long. But it it is what it is. And I'm just so happy that we have made it through this, and we're continuing to press forward. And for those of you who are suffering with with other issues and challenges and these, I wanted to pray. I wanted us to pray at the very conclusion of the service today for you and for and for everyone who's just who's just facing turmoil and things that are going on right now regarding uh, just regarding the frustration of this season. But uh, uh, but I, I, ha, have you ever noticed now that winter storms now have names? Did you know that? Like hurricanes have had names for years and years and years. For probably about 40 years, 50 years, hurricanes have had names. But, but about two years ago was the first time they actually started putting names on winter storms. How many of you are aware of that? They, we've actually started naming winter storms. Well, I've noticed it. I just think oh, it's kind of weird. It's kind of strange. But I... I, I have always done this. I've always kind of looked at the names, like, is there a meaning there? Because actually, names have meanings. Names have, uh, they, they have purpose. They have meaning. Even though I'm sure some organization just slaps a name on it that's on their list of names, and that's okay, this is going to be the official name of it. I guarantee no prayer has gone into it, nothing at all. But I looked at the name of the storm for this winter season, and the for this winter storm, and the name was... Uri, U-R-I. Now, I, first off, I thought that's about the strangest name I've ever heard of. But I looked it up, and I found it's Hebrew. It's actually Jewish. It's Hebrew, which is Old Testament scripture. And it's an Old Testament name. Did you realize that? So I, I start looking at this thing, and what does it mean? What does the name Uri mean? This storm, is, if people kept saying, Yuri is doing this, Yuri is doing that. Well, who's, what's Uri? So here's the definition of Uri. Yuri is a Hebrew name which says, Yahweh is light, my flame, one who shines, illuminates, and brings wisdom. Now, uh, just looking at that name right here at the beginning, you have to say, okay, that doesn't sound very, that doesn't sound like what we just experienced, because it sounds like, it sounds like uh, something really positive and wonderful, and yet what we experienced was miserable and terrible, right? Right. But then I recalled, Jesus was in the middle of the storm with his disciples. And, and so, I asked I was like, God, God, show me, <laughs> illuminate. If, if this is about illuminating things, illuminate something, and and I, I found some interesting things. Yeah, first of all, the key words here in this Hebrew name are light, flame, shines, illuminates, and brings wisdom. And that term Yahweh is the name that God gave Himself. When Moses was standing at the burning bush and he said, who am I going to say that you are? You need a name. And and that is his name, which means I am, I am, I am. In fact, here's what's interesting. The first release of that name, I am Yahweh, was during the plagues that came to Egypt. But God brought his people through there, even though they were in the middle of those storms, those 10 plagues. I found this to be very powerful Very intriguing. Yahweh. Look at that. Yahweh is light, my flame, one who shines, illuminates, and brings wisdom. And and really, I I found three really obvious applications. And the the first one is very obvious. But I saw this, this is true. Through this storm, God brought illuminations to problems on our power grid. It really did. And the good thing is we've discovered it now because everybody's moving to Texas, you know. And the good thing is this has been discovered, and now the people who like to deal with that kind of stuff and who get to deal with that stuff are going to deal with that, right? Right. And that's that's you know I I appreciate this because I believe that what happened over this past week that that we're going to see solutions for situations like this for the days ahead based upon what happened with our power grid. God illuminated. God shined his light on a problem, and he is giving wisdom, wisdom to people. In fact, I was at the gym yesterday, and I heard like all the guys in the locker room were talking about all the things that we have learned about the power grid, and now how we have more wisdom with all of that. I was listening to those words. like, yeah, that's right. And I wanted to say because Yahweh illuminated, but they didn't, I didn't know if they would really get that or not. But our vulnerabilities were exposed. When our vulnerabilities were exposed, that that light shined, and now some things can be dealt with. That's just very practical. Here's another one that's very, very practical also. Through this storm, I believe God has brought wisdom to people regarding emergency readiness. Really? Really? Because one thing now that I think just about everybody in Texas knows, the government can only do so much, right? The government can only do so much. Uh, Businesses can only do so much. The power company can only do so much. So one of the things which I've been sharing with you for a while is, is to always be ready, be prepared. I, I mentioned this in the past, but I think everyone should have a good month's worth of non-perishable food at your house. And, you know, rotate it through, whatever, but you should have. You should have a good month's worth of, ro- of food and always have some cases of water there at your house so that, so that when things like this happen, because they have happened and they are happening, and it's likely stuff like this will happen again. So just simply to, to be ready, emergency readiness, of having having uh the the, the medicines that you need, and, and always think ahead. Like, do I have enough if I were to be in a situation where I couldn't go to the store for a month? I think that's the way all of us should live. There's wisdom in that. Because Yahweh brings wisdom. He shined a light, he shined a light into our homes. So those are two practical things. But what I really am excited about, when I looked at this and I, I, I saw that definition of, of what Yuri meant, that Yuri means Yahweh is light, my flame, one who shines, illuminates, and brings wisdom. Through this storm, God has released his church to shine. God has released his church. And, and this whole time, you know, to be candid with you, my focus has been on, the, on this congregation, this church, and watching and chatting and praying and, and serving. And, and, and I honestly have to say, you guys shined. You really, really shined. I'm probably, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, it was hard. And it still is. I mean, many of you guys are still suffering, and some are, are some of you and your families, you're working some really crazy, intense hours and, uh, in, in tough conditions. If you work for companies that, that have anything to do with power or water or pipes, government first responders, several in the congregation are doing that, and I want to just say thank you, thank you to you and to your families, even if those family members are not here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And here's one thing from this church. We will not criticize you. I want an amen on that. We will not criticize you. The times of, this is, okay, guys, it is, it's just simply not shining your light when you are angry at the government, you're angry at the people providing the water, you're angry at the people who have the electricity, and you're screaming and you're ranting all over social media. Stop the nonsense. But the, here's the deal. You guys weren't, and you're not going to. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, because how in the world can you shine your light if you're just pessimistic and negative and griping? It doesn't do any good. But when you are, my goodness, you you guys have light beaming out of you. You're light in the midst of chaos, in the midst of anger. You've been light in the midst of hopelessness and hunger and thirst and stress and pain and isolation and cold. You have been light, and I'm blessed to be a part of you. You guys are becoming God's dream church. Here's how this works. The Bible tells us in the scriptures, Jesus himself said this in John chapter 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So that's Jesus. Jesus is the light. But when we follow him, like what he's saying here, we become light bearers ourselves. Then Jesus begins to shine through us. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, that's the power of Jesus. That's the presence of Jesus. And it shines out of us. So Jesus not only said that he was the light of the world, but in Matthew 5, verse 14, you know what he said? You, 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 you are the light of the world. (laughs) Look at this. Matthew 5.14. I asked you to open this up in your Bibles. Get a look at this. Look at this. This is beautiful because he is describing his church. He is speaking this over you. And you are doing this and we are doing this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, church, here it is, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The world is watching us, church. How do we respond? How do we act? How do we interact? Well, I choose to do it with light, and I encourage you to keep doing it. What you've done is good. Keep doing it keep doing it we are the light of the world in this culture now when jesus spoke that when he spoke that during his sermon on the mount you have to understand in that culture if you were to give someone the title light of the world that would have been considered unsuitable in fact the religious folks would have been very angry at jesus for saying that because these are common ordinary people in fact, even the greatest of the prophets, they believe, should never have the, the, the title Light of the World on them, because it's a great title. It's a majestic title. So when Jesus said that, he broke all of the, uh, I guess you could say, church norms. He broke all of the church cultural norms, and he said, no, you now are the light of the world. The religious folks kind of getting upset, going, hey, these are just common, ordinary people. You can't say that, Jesus. And Jesus said, well, I just did. And that's what you guys are. You know this. You're the light of the world. You need to say this to yourself. I am the light of the world. Can you say it? Say it. I am the light of the world. Come on, say it. I am the light of the world. You are. You are, because what you do is you take the light of Jesus, and you're releasing it into the culture around you one way or another. And and the beautiful thing about this is it works in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your past, in spite of your problems. You are the light of the world. So smile, so glow, love it, and live it. You're God's dream church, and I'm so proud of y'all. You're pointing people to Jesus just by the way you're handling yourself. Do you hear me? You're pointing people to Jesus just by the way that you're handling yourself. And you're serving others. I I love it. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says this. Look at this. Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. GOD IS PLEASED WHEN YOU SACRIFICE AND SHARE WITH OTHERS. EVERY TIME YOU SACRIFICE, YOU KNOW, GOD BLESSES IT. GOD'S PLEASED WITH IT. IN FACT, one, THE ONLY LITTLE ISSUE WE'VE RUN INTO HERE WITH, with, with OUR CHURCH IS THAT WE TOOK all of, our, ALL OF OUR BOTTLED WATER THAT WE HAD HERE AT THE CHURCH AND TOOK IT OVER TO THE FIRE STATION SO THEY COULD DISTRIBUTE IT TO PEOPLE IN NEED. AND THEN WE REALIZED, OH, WAIT, WE'RE SERVING FOOD THIS MORNING. WE HAVE NO WATER. So I don't know what they found. I think some people have been out shopping. We may have, like, LaCroix for everybody. But, but, uh, but, but you know, that, that's the toughest it's been. But, see, I believe God honors those things. I think God honors the way some of you have stepped out, and you've served, and you've loved, and you've given, and you've blessed others. And maybe you haven't been able to do something tangible, but your prayers your words of encouragement, your words of faith, your words of hope, that means the world to people. You're pointing people to Jesus. With such sacrifices, God is pleased. Can I just tell you this? God's pleased with you guys. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says this. It says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. And, And I'll be candid with you. I cannot remember a time that I personally have seen where Christians have lived and loved more selflessly than in this past week. And I mean that. I really, I've seen pockets of it happen from time to time, but, but never in, in like, like, like where it's so touchable, where it's so tangible and it's, it's happening all around us. I watched families, blood families take care of each other. In fact, there have been some restoration of relationships over the past few days because of people caring for one another and loving one another. God, br- A crisis came through, but God brought healing. Yahweh brought life into some dark situations over this past week. I've watched the church family taking care of one another. You guys have taken care of each other more better than I've ever seen. And maybe if you're new and you're just kind of getting integrated, this is a good reason to jump in and get to know some people, hang out after and and, and get to meet some other people and get grafted into this body you know we are commanded the scripture commands us to take care of family did you know that now, I've talked to you about this before. There are three types of family. There's the blood family. And then secondly, there's the church family, which is the local church family. And then the third level is the worldwide church of God. Those are the three types of family that God gives us to, the, uh, to us in the Scripture. But we are commanded that we're supposed to take care of family. And again, I just can't get, stop saying it. I'm so proud of you guys for doing this. I'm happy. I'm, I love it, and, and I don't. I know I put out some messages, and I did a couple of videos and things like that, encouraging you to do it. But you were already doing it. You didn't even need me to say anything. I love that. Now there is something that I want you to see. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. I asked you to turn there, and this is not going to be on the screen, so you've got to have it in your Bibles because I want you to look at this. Matthew 25, verse 31. Turn there now. This is a parable. This is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Uh, This is is actually, though, a parable about how God's family is really commanded to take care of one another. And it's very, very poignant. It is an intense parable. This is not a soft parable. This is an intense one. But it's a picture of what's going to happen at the end of time when we're all standing before the throne of God. And here's the truth. God will actually judge us and reward us based upon how we took care of one another did you know that That, that's that's in the scriptures and I just share this with you for your encouragement because this is beautiful. Matthew 25, 31, listen to this. This is off in the future, but it's going to happen. Jesus told this story. This is, this is part of the Olivet Discourse when his, when his disciples said, what's going to happen at the end and what's it all going to look like? And this is one of the illustrations Jesus gave. Matthew 25, 31, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Okay, but listen. All the nations will be gathered before him. That nations doesn't mean like United States and Canada and Ethiopia. That just means all people groups. So in other words, everybody, everybody. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. I don't know anything about that because I'm not a shepherd. Now, I've hung out around some shepherds, who, but they, they, they didn't have goats. They just had sheep. But I, I cannot imagine sheep and goats hanging out together because they're actually very different. But again, I, I really don't know about that, but I'm just going to take his word for it. How many of you guys know, have, have messed around with sheep and goats before and, and played with them and seen how they act and interact? Okay, like five of you. Yes, okay. Christian, you can come up and share the rest of the sermon and talk about how that works. You pro- Do you have them at your house? I don't know. I don't know. You guys have all kinds of crazy stuff at your house. All right, here we go. But he will put the sheep on his right... And the goats on his left. Now, as I'm doing this, this does not mean that you're the sheep and you're the goats. It really, really doesn't. Everybody's changing sides now. Everybody's moving over to the side of the auditorium. But he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will address those on his right. Look at this. Come, you who are blessed by my father. And I want you to look at all the family implications that are there because he brings in the word father immediately. You're blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. Who gets an inheritance? Family, correct? Okay, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. And I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous, the sheep, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needed clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and, not go, vi- and, and go visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of, here, here's the key words, the least of these brothers and sisters of mine... Now we understand the context. He's talking about how family, the family of God, treats one another. Catching this here. Now, this is powerful. So, so whatever you did for the least, that means the least important or the least significant or maybe the person who, who has the least friends or it could mean the person who's the least popular or the person who's who uh, who just doesn't doesn't have a job. or That could mean a lot of different things. And I don't think it means that one's better than another because actually what God is saying right here, what Jesus is saying is everybody in my family really, really matters. And you should really be looking out for those who are most vulnerable. I'll pause right here one of the things that the scripture tells us to do that we're supposed to look out for for uh for widows and orphans that's actually true religion did you did you know that that's true religion is looking out for widows and orphans now why why would he say that it's because orphans don't have a dad they don't have a mom they don't have a family and so you bring them in what about widows that means Especially in that culture, and I, I believe even today, it's like if, if a lady who's who no longer has a husband and she's alone, and, she, and and I would I would just include single moms in that too, yeah. because single moms who are raising kids and they're working in a job or two or three and trying to make ends meet, those th- that is significant, that is important, and I think we have a responsibility to reach out to people like that especially those. So it says, so Jesus said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, in other words, my family, you did it for me. Come on, I love that. Because you guys... When you were reaching out to one another, when you were caring for one another, when you showed love for one another, even if it was a prayer or a text, or even if it was just providing a small thing, you were do- they were you were doing it for Jesus. Yeah. I just want to thank some of you who who wanted to help out Jack. And Jack, you're you're Uh, you're a young man that this church has been able to rescue off the streets and put you in a place where you've got warmth and you have heat and checked on you. And I went and checked on you the other day and I went to your room and I I have a key, of course, you know, and I went and I checked and and you were gone, but the heat was on. I'm like, where's Jack? It's like two degrees outside. Where's Jack? Where's Jack? Where's Jack? Come to find out you were running around town looking for some bread. And I checked on you the next day. He said, "Yeah, yeah, Pastor Tim, sorry, I was out looking for bread. I said, well, you can't find any bread. There's no bread out. You can't get anything from the stores. Well, he, goes, he started laughing. goes, ha, ha, ha I found some. <laughs> like, what do you mean you found some bread? I was looking for bread, and I accidentally bought gluten-free bread and bought it home, and it was terrible. I know you guys like it. Some of y'all like it. I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you, but not for me. And he's like, ha. ha he goes, it was French bread, but it was still bread. I'm like, oh, all right. But you know what? Some of you where you just even looked out for Jack, checking on him. Uh, Somebody even went to a restaurant. He wanted some chicken noodle soup. Couldn't find it at the stores. Somebody went out to a restaurant and bought him some chicken noodle soup and delivered it to his house. I'm telling you what, guys, that's the kind of stuff you guys are doing. And that's just one example. That's just one example. Whatever you do for the least, the least of the brothers and sisters of mine, you did it. To me, Jesus said. And guys, we will all stand there. We will all see this unfold. I just want to say you're God's dream church because you're doing it. You're doing it. All right. He goes on now. Now, now he's going to say something to those on his left. So it's y'all. Okay. Y'all have to pretend like you're the goats, but you're not really. All right. He says, and then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, but you really aren't. Into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do to the least of these... You did not do it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You might want to say, well, wait, are we judged by our works now? Actually, we are judged by our works. We are judged by our works, but salvation comes through grace. But if you're in the family of God, you're going to act like Christians because that's how Christians act. We act a certain way. So these people were never Christians. These people were never believers. Here's the truth. Get this. Our salvation comes from grace, not works. There's nothing you can ever do to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do. It's provided by God. There's no, no amount of good things you can do. But you will be. We will all be judged by our works. That's what we did. How we gave. How we served. How we sacrificed, as the writer of Hebrews wrote earlier. See, here's how this works. I want you to understand there's a difference between the two. Upon salvation, we enter into the kingdom of God. So we are saved. But we also enter into the lifestyle of Jesus. And the lifestyle of Jesus is not an option for us as believers. So we are a part of his household. And in his household, he has family rules. And and therefore, like habitual attitudes of like laziness or inactivity or rebellion or inattention to those who are less fortunate in the family are not tolerated by God. It shows that you really aren't part of the family. See, because families don't do that to each other. And again, what I've seen happen over the past few days has been amazing because I've seen fractured families heal because they start taking care of each other and loving each other. See, this this parable, really what it does is it drives home this truth, this one big truth. We are to unselfishly love each other and look out for each other. This parable is not so much a deal of who gets into heaven and who doesn't. No, this parable is really a challenge to love your family. Love your family. Because how we love and care for one another is how... We actually treat Jesus Christ himself. Think about it. Think about it from the perspective of a family. There's the least a person in a family. And that would be, like, let's say it was a child. The most helpless person in a family would be, let's just say, a six-month-old child. Six-month-old child is hungry. Are you going to feed the child? Yeah. If they're thirsty, you're going to give them something to drink, right? Because that's families take care of especially the least of these. That's how families work. That is how families work. But can you imagine a family that would totally neglect a six-month-old child and totally neglect? No. <laughs> they will actually, in, in this culture, they actually have their families taken from them. And they are thrown into prison. Yeah. Not much different than what this parable has to say right here. But truth is, last week, being very, very attentive to what the local government was saying, watching for the boil orders and watching for just little things here and there to, to help just to get the word out, but also to, for my own family and for, for people that I'm communicating with and for the uh, city life building and everything. You know, I saw a lot of people talking online, a lot of people who were practically helpless. I did. I saw a lot of people I, I saw people angry, just begging the government to give them a phone call or a text just to check on them. I saw things like that, and I, my heart sank. And And I just saw one after another. Why can't you guys act, even just give us a call? Why can't someone call me? I'm all alone. Nobody's reaching out to me. And, and I, I wanted to get online and start chatting. Of course, I have to be careful to not do that. But I wanted to say... Which church do you go to? Who's your church? Where's your church? How can we help? But the, the, the numbers were so great. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, we're trying to work with my own congregation here. But, but the big question was, where's your church? People saying, I need a warm place. I need to take a shower. People saying, I just need some water. My question went back, where's your church? I know some of you guys went through, you're still going through some tough stuff. But your church is here. And when we love each other, we, we connect with one another. When you, when you embed yourself into the fabric of this church, it's healthy. Yeah. And again, I will tell you this. I have never seen a healthier expression of the church in my life than I've seen over this past week through you guys. And to see other people in the community suffering with nobody to talk to nobody to love on them. They're angry. They're wanting help and they're crying out to the government. The truth is the government can't do it. It's actually, the truth is it's the job of the church. It is the job of the church. It is the job of the church. And when the church fails to help and to serve people, that's where the government then tries to step in and do its part. But the government can never do what the church was designed to do. Now, I'll tell you guys, I love our government. I love them all, love them all, you know, from, from Washington, D.C., to Austin, to, to Fort Worth, right down the road. But the challenge is, they cannot replace the church. They can't. They can't. I've heard people saying, well, I just wish the president would come to Texas. Well, if he came or not, would that really make a difference to you? What? Are you touching your church? Are you engaged with your church? And I'll, I'll say right now, one of the tools we have that we're, we've been utilizing is the City Life e-community. Now, if you're not a part of the City Life Church e-community on Facebook, that's where it is, uh, you just need to engage there. Here uh, next Sunday, Sunday night, I'm going to be unveiling a new tool that we'll be using for, for City Life partners, how we'll be able to network and, and pray with each other in, a, in a, better, more, a better way. But for right now, we have that City Life e-community. That is a great place to be. It's a great place to, to, to engage with others and to talk with others and to see what's going on. And if you're not a part of the City Life Church E community, you just go in there, request to be a part, and someone will approve you. It's that simple. And you can approve other people to be a part of it because we are a community. But seeing so many people hurting with no one to even check on them or talk to them should cause every one of us to have a burden for the lost like never before because jesus died so that not one person should perish do you think it's god's desire that that the the goats would all go off into an eternity of punishment that's not his desire that's not his desire his desire is that not one should perish that is why we must have a burden in our hearts to reach lost people for jesus and if you know of some people who've been out there this is my challenge this is my big challenge for you today If you know of some people who who are out there and they've been suffering and no one's really been reaching out to them, start to get them engaged in the church and and, help them to give their lives to Christ. Lead them in a prayer or, or just get them here. That's a good start. People are going to make their own choices. A lot of people are totally disconnected from church families, and this last week has been hell for them. And it doesn't make me happy. I'm happy for what's happened within this church, but it makes me sad to see so many people out there languishing. See, because an isolated people, when people isolate themselves, that's not modeling true Christianity. Because Christianity doesn't isolate. But you guys have persevered through this trial. I've heard miracle stories, one miracle after another after another from you guys. It's just been wonderful seeing the miracles that have happened and, and, uh, and trials. You, you guys are still, so many of you are going through trials, but James chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to look at this. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive, what is this? The crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And church, I I can't say it enough. I really believe God is honored. God is testing us for sure. But as a congregation, I believe we're passing the test. Here's one of the things I encourage you to do. During this season, you say, God, what are you teaching me? What are you shining your light on in my life or in my home and my family? What are you teaching me? I want to learn. I want to know and begin to listen and learn and begin to embed these lessons that the Holy Spirit is teaching you during this season into your heart and your mind because God is, is, is sculpting you. God is fashioning you for a more robust future. That's God's desire for you. Church, let us never forget the lessons of this past week. And let us not stop loving and serving and giving and blessing let us not stop even sharing our own needs. I have a need here. I have a need there. Now, one of the things I always encourage you guys to do all week long is is to talk to people, message people, whatever, call people and ask them, do you, you have any needs? That's a good question to ask. But maybe if nobody has asked you that question, one of the things you can also do is say, I do have a need. Now, The truth is, a lot of people shared needs with me, and they weren't needs that I could necessarily meet, but I could pray with them. But some people, I could meet their needs. So I did what I could do. But when we all do that together, the kingdom of God is blessed. And I believe that God is smiling on us today. I believe he is. I believe we are God's dream church. In fact, in the middle of this craziness, I just encourage you to keep living the dream. Keep living his dream. Today I want to pray, though, for miracles. I want to pray for miracles for your life, for your family. Some of you are, have a mess at your house and you just left it all to come to church. Good for you. Some of you are, are, uh, are, are without water. Some of you are in very, very difficult water situations. And, and uh, we want to pray. We want to pray for that. Some of you, you're you're looking at financial challenges, huge financial challenges because of what you faced this past week. Some of you, you you uh, you weren't able to work, so you've lost income. Some of you are 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 just living right there on the edge. Some of you may be without food. I don't know what your needs are, but one of the things you can do is, is to share those needs. But also, I want to pray for miracles. I want to pray for miracles of provision, miracles of provision. I'll tell this one story years ago this happened to Rebecca and me we were serving as staff pastors several years ago and it was about 1989 or so and man our, our salary was, was like next to nothing and we <laughs> we, needed, we needed food so we would go to the grocery store together and, and the, the way it worked is we had to be in total agreement on an item before it was purchased so we went together both of us had to be and if one of us said no then we didn't get it because we had to have what we needed to have that was our little rule that was that and that worked for us and I remember we were going through the grocery store this one day and we we're like well this will, this hopefully will get us through the week but it was basically just some very very basic basics you know what I'm saying and there were two things that we looked at one was I went and picked up some olives and she said no I was like I know but I still think I would love to have, I like black olives. I would just love to have some black olives. I'd just eat them out of the can. When Thanksgiving and special holidays came around, my mom had black olives out. I would sneak in there and I'd eat them all before they even got out. I would always get in trouble. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I got, I got, it, on the, I got it on the rear for that. But I just love black olives. I don't regret any of that. I, it taught me a less, lesson on patience. But. And another one, I, I, I don't drink it anymore, but I used to just love Diet Coke. But not just diet coke in the I like diet coke in the can. <laughs> we just looked at him and said, and, 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 uh, and Rebecca said, one of these days we'll be able to buy that again. But for now, <laughs> we're drinking water out of the faucet. We got our groceries. When we went home, the next day someone shows up at our door, knocks on our door. We prayed, pray, God, provide, provide for us. We need your help. Someone knocked on our door. You remember this, don't you? He showed up with diapers for the baby, but not just that, with a bunch of groceries. The guy, the guy said, I feel really, just feel really weird, but I felt like God told me to get you guys some stuff. Maybe you don't have a need, but I don't know. I don't know, but uh, here I am. I'm just going to bring all this in. So he starts bringing in groceries. And as he's bringing in the groceries, we start looking through it. There are black olives and green olives. Oh, wow the very last thing he brought in was a case of Diet Coke in cans. And he said, he said, I know most of you, he I, said, I know most people like Diet Coke in the bottle, but all I could find were cans. And I said, it'll do. it'll do. It'll do. God spoke to a person to miraculously take care of needs of ours, even for things we desired that we really didn't need. That's my God. We we you know honestly we we just prayed we just prayed we asked God because one of the things we wanted to do we didn't want to be too needy and tell tell people in the church so we just you know, our pastor knew but that was it was just, we just we need help God God and, and you know what God God sees you and He knows that you're going. Even the little things that may seem so insignificant to you, but they're kind of important. But you're saying, oh, God would never care about that. I think he does because you are his kids. Yes. We just bow your heads all across this room. And if, if, you're, if you're in a situation where you need God to answer, answer a prayer for you, you, you need God to create a miracle for you, would you just lift your hand for me? I'm not going to embarrass you or anything, but I need a miracle. Miracles, look, look, all over the place. Well, I'm looking all over the place. Miracles, miracles, put your hands down you guys need miracles here's what i'm going to ask that we do let me ask if you are needing a miracle if you'll just do this for me if you'll just right where you are if you will just stand and people around you just reach over and touch them and we're going to pray for miracles if you see someone around just stand please if you need a miracle no one else standing yet just if you need a miracle if you need a miracle stand right now don't be ashamed don't be don't be ashamed of it If you need a miracle, stand. And those who see people standing around, I want you just to go to them. I want you to pray them. Touch them on the shoulder. Begin to pray. Church, move right now. Begin to move around. Make sure that nobody who's standing is standing alone because we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We will and we do minister to one another. And I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for a release of your presence. God, I pray for a release of miracle power in this room and through our video today, God. I pray for a release of miracle power into homes and lives. God, I pray that situations will be turned around, God. God, that you will take the the, the desperate situations the frustrations that people are feeling, the agony that people are feeling. God, and I pray that you will reverse it. I pray for miracles of financial provision. I pray for insurance settlements, God. Good. I pray for insurance settlements that goes way above what would be expected. God, I pray for for family healing, God. I pray for provision of, of water and 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 this just provision for, for messed up homes to be repaired quickly, for solutions for it. God, I just pray that you will bring people into their life so that miracles will happen. Sickness will be healed in Jesus' name. I thank you that you are the God of miracles. You are the God of miracles. And I give you thanks and I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Churches, keep praying for one another. Come on, keep praying for one another. Pray for one another. Come on, church, just keep praying. Keep praying for one another. We're gonna keep praying. Some of you just move around. Just keep praying, keep praying, keep touching, keep praying. If you don't know how to pray, just, just pray blessing. Thank God, I just pray blessing. I pray blessing. See, God knows how to interpret that. God, come on, because the blessing of God is always something good. Blessing, blessing in Jesus' name. Blessing in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus name you can do all, come on come on church fail, cause you, you never, never lost a battle no you never yes, lost come a battle up. and I know yeah keep I those know, prayers going keep those prayers going all across this room we're praying for you online if you have a prayer need and you're online right now message one of those people we have every stream that we have, and they will love to pray with you. They'll pray with you. They're going to believe. All you have to say is, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. Someone's going to be praying for you. Come on. Come on. I want us to sing this song. Come on, guys. Come on, sing it. your street of influence whether it be family government business arts and entertainment faith health and vitality or education head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today